rents are crazy high. Evictions are spiking. Is a tsunami of housing insecurity on its way to Las Vegas? My guest thinks so. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I talk with Legal Aid Executive Director Barbara Buckley. She has ideas for reforms that will keep people in their homes. But as the former Speaker of the State Assembly, Barbara knows that those laws are headed for a showdown in the 2023 legislature. It's Tuesday, February 21st. I'm David Figler, and this is what Las Vegas is talking about. I do follow the news, Barbara Buckley, and a word that seems to persist in Las Vegas these days is crisis. From your view at Legal Aid of Southern Nevada, what are the biggest crises that you see in the Valley right now? I suppose there's two. One is the housing crisis. Last year was characterized by rent increases, $400-$800. Seniors, people with disabilities, low-wage earners could not afford that large uh, amount of increases. And of course, we're at the highest in the nation in lack of affordable housing units. Well, yeah, that's a combo. (laughs) So yeah, what a combo. So that's number one. And the second is probably the lingering effects of the pandemic Mm. that has resulted in a loss of foster care placements. It has resulted in our fragile mental health system completely disintegrating such that you have kids being harmed, harming themselves to a level that I've never seen before. Yeah. You started your legal career at Legal Aid a little more than 30 years ago. Do you think some of the challenges that we're facing right now at some point along the line became predictable? Yeah. I mean, I I, I think many of them are predictable. I mean, talk about affordable housing, so many years I would see person after person coming to our office and couldn't afford the amount of rent, right? They're a senior. They're on Social Security. They need more affordable housing options. And then you would have elected officials say something like, we're booming. Uh, Of course, there's no need. We have plenty of affordable housing, right? Houses are going up all over. Look at Mountain's Edge or the edge of mountain's edge, (laughs) you know, like, look where there's not even roads. We've got houses, right? And they think that's a a universally good thing. They were really just clueless about Mm. what we're talking about. And that is you have to have an affordable housing stock, especially for our most vulnerable. And if you're making $1,200 on Social Security, you cannot pay $1,200 a month in rent. And if we want our 80-year-olds to be homeless, unless we want that, we need to build affordable housing all the time so we can narrow the gap of the need. That means in good times and in bad. And I hear these conversations, and it used to just be about like the seniors or people who are in, in abject poverty. But that conversation seems to expand when we talk about affordable housing to starting teachers, starting policemen, 
people in the workforce at the beginning, starting out families, I, I mean, I'm wondering if housing is the epicenter of so many serious problems that people of Southern Nevada are facing right now. Yeah, I, I think clearly it is. And, you know, David, with the average cost of rent going up so much, yes, it's encompassing more and more folks, right? Police, teachers, you name it. Anyone starting out, right? And anybody with kids, right, in their 20s who want them to leave the nest know this problem very well, right? right because right. they can't afford to leave the nest. Yeah. I mean, these are all people in the workforce and yes. without a place to live. Yes. Well, let's talk about some of the folks who rely upon legal aid. I'm curious about the the folks who are coming to your doors struggling with housing during this eviction crisis. What are some of the stories that you're hearing from these folks that really stay with you, Barbara? It's the variety of people. We'll see a, you know, an 80-year-old vet with his hat on carrying an oxygen tank and his wife just died and he never dealt with the business side of life, right? His wife did. And he's struggling to figure out what to do. And then the next person coming in will have four young kids and say, I can't be homeless. I can't lose my kids. So the faces are so different, but the stories are similar in that the desperation, it's it's tough to see person after person. I mean, one day uh, last week, our civil law self-help center team saw 500 people in one day. One day. What's a normal day? 300. Oh, my gosh. Right? So just the, the sheer volume of people in crisis. And it's really easy for, like, the middle class, you know, to go about their day and not really see it, you know, not really know it's even there. But the desperation out there, it's just, um, it's hard to watch. Do you attribute the stuff that's happening with evictions driving or spiking these numbers right now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 98% of the people going to the Civil Law Self-Help Center right now um, have an eviction issue. Why do you think their needs are spiking? The rent increases from last year, the out-of-state companies that have moved in, the commoditization of housing, right? The new movement where for-profit corporations are trying to buy up single-family homes mm. and then rent them and prevent first-time home buyers from being able to get into a home. Out-of-state landlords buying a lot of property here and then raising the rents according to algorithms that leave real people behind. Those are a couple of the reasons, I think. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas's most talked about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist, Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year, 
and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. Let's talk about what makes the housing issue particularly difficult in maybe even unique in Clark County. Let's start with summary evictions. Can you briefly explain how that works for for those listeners who may not know what that term means, summary eviction? Summary means quick. (laughs) So the eviction process, if you're using summary eviction in Nevada, starts with a notice on the door from the landlord to the tenant. If the tenant wishes to file a response, an answer, they must go to the court to initiate the lawsuit. You heard me right. The tenant has to begin the lawsuit, not the landlord. And do they have a lot of time or? No, uh, for a non-payment of rent, it's seven days. So, you know, in New York, right, everybody talks, oh, it's nine months. I mean, you can have five children by the time you're evicted (laughs) in New York, right? right? Not in Nevada. It's seven days. The change that is being sought in the legislature right now is that in most states, the landlord files an eviction action to get the tenant out, the tenant has to respond, and then the court rules. And that's the normal process of a lawsuit? Sure. Well, in Nevada, it's flipped. The tenant sues first, and then the landlord has to respond. And so there's a bill pending to change that order to the order that it should be. Because what happens is any tenant who moves here from another state assumes that's not the order because it's not the order anywhere else in the nation. And they fail to respond. And then there's a crisis trying to get it back on the track that it should be. Why is Nevada so attached to summary evictions? (laughs) Why is it so hard to get rid of it? Yeah, well, I mean, certainly landlords and realtors have more legislative clout than tenants. I'm hoping this session to see some support for leveling the playing field. I read one article where Governor Lombardo said he was supportive of the idea. Of getting rid of it altogether or modifying it? Oh, by switching the order of summary eviction. Mm. You know, I don't know if that's accurate, but that's what the news article said. Yeah. So hope springs eternal, right? At least switching that order to be like every other state would prevent the needless evictions because people don't understand the forms. At least that's a step in the right direction. I mean, right now, to my understanding, we don't even have an accurate number of how many people are evicted because the way the process works that people might get a notice on that door and go, oh, well, game over. I have no other... Remedy, wow, that was quick. And then just, what's the word, self-evict? That's exactly right. Or not understand that that was an official notice, even though it really isn't. But in our process, it's considered one. So they don't respond. And then they're racing to the courthouse doors. They're going to be evicted within 24 hours. And they try to file documents, but the court doesn't have much time to process them. And they're, they're just desperate. And it's really a horrible system. What do you say to landlords who are upset that you're trying to interfere with their ability to do business? In other words, they you know come forward and some of them have very 
heart-wrenching stories about their investments and how it impacts their families and their lives and that they feel that efforts to change it is efforts to hurt them. How do you respond to that? Well, I've been in the legal business now for 34 years. There are good landlords and there are bad landlords. There are good tenants and there are bad tenants. But what you can have is a fair and clear process. What we have now, even if you don't shorten it by one day, you say, okay, we're going to stay with seven days eviction, which is the shortest in the nation. Mm -hmm. It can still be clear and fair. And what we have right now is not clear and fair. And, you know, we've worked with a lot of great landlords over this pandemic. We had a landlord the other day, I'll tell you, she already had an eviction order, but we managed to get her CHAP approved. And she said, you know what? She's been a great tenant and I feel bad for her. She has cancer. I won't proceed with the eviction order. I will take the CHAP money. Thank you for helping us work this out. Yeah. And CHAP being another one of those programs that was designed to get money to those landlords to keep the tenants in place. But that that CHAP money is also sunsetting. That CHAP money is now sunsetting. We feel very fortunate that the state set aside a little money for an eviction diversion pilot to help seniors and people with disabilities still get rental assistance funding while we look for alternate solutions instead of homelessness. So this diversion, which is a pilot and it hasn't fully taken hold yet from what I understand, is it a replacement or a supplement to the current eviction court that exists within Clark County? I'd say it's an alternative carve-out process. So let's say it's a senior who was subject to a horrible rent increase. They'll say, we need to come up with a better option. Do you have any options? Do you have any family? Do you have a roommate? What, mm. what can we do, right? And they'll pay the landlord that month's rent while they're looking for additional solutions. Tenants going through it will be assigned a legal aid lawyer to represent them in court and to try to come up with alternatives to eviction. Because once you're evicted, it's hard to rent another place because you have an eviction on your record. Having the ability to have rental assistance made all the difference in the world during the pandemic. And we're very afraid of this next wave without it. We may have some resources for seniors and people with disabilities, but what about a mom with six kids, right? Who has some of the rent, but not all of it, and no longer has the ability to get any temporary rental assistance. We're worried about this you know, next tsunami of evictions that we're going to, to see. If you're a tenant, you do not want to be in eviction court. You want to do all you can to avoid it. Barbara, use the expression tsunami, the next wave. What are you predicting and why? So we are predicting that the next 60 days, especially with the ending of rental assistance and ongoing, we'll see an increased level of evictions that was already unbelievably high. It's going to mean increased homelessness. The county, Clark County, has done an amazing job of trying to get additional rental assistance, social services. They have some rehousing contracts out with nonprofits. 
in all my years here, I've never seen them work harder to prevent homelessness. But again, our rents are becoming California level. Yeah. And we can't afford it here in Nevada. Yeah. All right, Barbara, let's shift gears just a little bit. You were in the legislature for many years, including four years as the Speaker of the Assembly. Our legislature is currently convening right now up in Carson City. There are law proposals in the hundreds. What is Legal Aid hoping to see make it through this session? Well, we're we're really blessed at Legal Aid Center that we have a policy director who goes to Carson City full time to work on important issues that have, affect our work. And so I don't have to interact with the legislature as much as I once did. While I loved it, I am now a recovering legislator. And so uh, (laughs) I don't have to follow the hearings as I once did. One area that we're working very hard on is the funding of children's mental health services. We have housing reforms. We have consumer protection reforms. And then we play defense, right? Meaning... Somebody will produce a piece of legislation seeking to unwind a piece of consumer protection legislation. So we're right there opposing it so that we don't lose any ground we already have. And we've been talking about housing a lot in this conversation. What housing reforms are you talking about? You mentioned summary eviction. What else do we have? So there's a bill, uh, for example, to say that apartment complexes can't charge predatory application fees, meaning except 45 application fees of $200 each when they have one apartment, right? And they do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was a teacher, I think, who spent like $2,000 in application fees and couldn't get one apartment, right? That's like two months rent just to apply. And these folks are down and out. Another is we have a 30-day no-cause statute. Currently. Currently. So that means a landlord, if you don't have a lease, they can serve you with a 30-day notice for no reason and you must leave. So we're proposing to change that to 60 days. Okay. To give people a little bit more time in this tight housing market to be able to locate an alternate place, pack up their entire house, pay for the moving expenses the new connection fees, and the like. So they're very kind of common sense measures that we think are more than reasonable. And yet, tell me about that resistance. Tell me about that landlord lobbying or that real estate lobbying. How how powerful is it and why is it so powerful, Barbara? Well, let me just put it this way. These common sense measures run into the wall of an intense lobbying effort. And the lobbying effort is made by individuals who have contributed a high level of campaign contributions to elected officials. So unless you have elected officials who are willing to do the right thing, regardless of campaign contributions, these measures sometimes run into difficulties. Okay, and the next question is name all the names of the Democrat legislators who are in the majority who are going to succumb to the powers of the lobbying money. I'm joking, Barbara, but if you did want to list those names, I will take them right now. <laughs> I think I'll pass. We can we can look at who votes for it, right? Fair, fair, fair. It's good to know 
people like Barbara Buckley, executive director of Legal Aid Center of Southern Nevada, are out there fighting that fight. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us uh, what your what your agency does in some of the stories in our community. Barbara, thanks so much for joining us on CityCast Las Vegas. Thanks so much for having me. All right, and a few tidbits of the news before you go. A new poll indicates that Nevadans' biggest concern isn't gas or inflation, it's water. And many citizens are worried enough that they want the government to ensure that there's plenty of water available before approving any of those new large developments. And since thoughtful development is basically synonymous with Las Vegas, I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Also, as the city of Las Vegas ponders cannabis lounge policies, a group of marijuana professionals are proposing to turn the arts district into a local version of Amsterdam, at least when it comes to weed, with relaxed pot-friendly regulations that make it easier for smoking lounges to cluster together. And really, who doesn't love a cluster? That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you enjoyed the show, and I know you're enjoying these shows, why not tell a friend? Go rate the show with those stars and stuff. Leave us a review. And hey, do yourself a favor. Subscribe to our morning newsletter. It is going to be the talk of your morning. We'll be back tomorrow with more news from around the city. Y'all take care. Who's the slam poet? No one I know.